And we're going to soak tonight just for a few minutes, do like we do sometimes. As the Spirit leads, and He was leading me this afternoon as I was praying, He was leading me about this. So Revelation 4, 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. So I was doing some soaking this afternoon, and I was praying about whether we should have soaking prayer tonight. So we, I thought, well, yeah, we need to. I, it seemed right to me and the Holy Ghost. And so... Um, uh, it's like the Lord said to me, okay, tell them. It, uh, we're going to have this first song. On just I think it's just six minutes long. We're going to have a six-minute long song. And he said, uh, tell them not to say anything but holy. And I tried it. I thought, okay, I'm going to try this. And I thought, I had to discipline myself because I found myself wanting to say, you know, other things. So we're just going to say, we're going to say holy. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, the Bible, he says, uh, whatever he says, do you do it? And it is the key to miracles. Hallelujah. It's the key to opening up things that need to be opened up. Hallelujah. So uh, we're, well, the ushers are going to dim the lights a little bit, and uh, we're just going to get into this soaking prayer. Let me pray first. Let me just, hallelujah, sanctify this. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And Father, we just want to honor you tonight. And we want to draw close and near to you, Father. Draw our hearts to your heart. And Father, open our eyes that we might see. And Father, receive our praise. Father, even as these living creatures cry holy unto you, Father, you are holy and we want to cry that with our heart also. And Lord, we give you the praise and the honor and glory for everything that's said, done, mentioned tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
holy. Holy are you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. All holy is the Lord. Holy is the Lord. Holy God. Holy God. Holy. Can you even think about how holy He is? It's really beyond our understanding to think about that every part of His being, every thought that He has, every motive, every part of heaven, every word that comes out of His mouth, we can't even imagine that kind of holiness. Amen? And everything He everything, every motive and everything towards us, completely holy. Nothing, nothing, not one shred or even the teeniest bit of, of evil or anti-love or not even, not even the littlest bit. Hallelujah. Just, it, I, it's hard to fathom that kind of love, that kind of holiness. Amen. Hallelujah. And, and everything he, his word, totally holy. His blood, totally holy. His name, totally holy. Every angel, totally holy. Hallelujah. Oh, my word. Hallelujah. And, and every saint in heaven, totally holy. And us in our spirit man, totally holy. Completely holy in the spirit man. And you know he says to present your bodies unto him a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And you know we aren't the ones that have to make our bodies holy, but he helps us. He does that for us. Yeah. Hallelujah. And those, those sacrifices that they offered in the Old Testament, they had to be... Um, they, had to, they couldn't have any broke legs or bad eyes or anything like that. Boy, they had to be perfect. Hallelujah. And so when we do what He says and we present our bodies to Him, a living sacrifice. And I mean, you got to come under and you got to submit. You can't, you can't have your own way and present your body a living sacrifice. But I tell you, when you do, He makes it holy. And I'm talking about wholeness. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah. Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Mm, mm, mm. And you know, um, just those, those living creatures, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get, if you want to get in God's presence, just start crying holy for a while. And just go a while saying holy. And I'm telling you what, something, I know God likes it because He's got four living creatures. He's assigned to do it 24-7 for all eternity. He must like for us to say holy. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I tell you, the presence of God come on you and it'll open up. And the more we get in the presence of God, the more everything in our life will straighten out. Hallelujah. That's how, that is, you know, I think I've told this before, but uh, Lynn Hammond, I heard her say a long time ago that she, this woman came in from count for counseling and said her life was so messed up. Lynn said, I really had never counseled anyone who had their life so messed up. And I was like, God, I, I don't even know what to tell this woman. And she had counseled, you know, for a lot of years. And the Lord said, just get her in my presence. And so she just helped her get in the presence of God. And when we get in the presence of God, He can make every crooked place straight. He can untangle any web. I tell you, there is nothing impossible to God. There is nothing too hard for God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I don't care how big a mess they're in or you're in. Hallelujah. But I know I've been walking with Him long. And you know, it's like... If you'll just walk with Him and get near His presence, some things you won't even have to ask Him to straighten out, and He'll get straightened out. Some things you don't even know you were messed up. I'm amazed at how many people in this world are so messed up and don't even know they're messed up. Hallelujah. You know, Pastor preached on that, people you can't help, people that don't know they have a problem. 
Or people that think you're the problem. Hallelujah. Or people, you know, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now what was I going to say? <laughs> I don't know. That was good, though. Thank you for doing that. Listen, we, we, you know, every time you obey God, every time you obey God, you have a result. Hallelujah. So, Father, we're expecting results because we just did what you said. We're, I'm going to finish up tonight, hopefully finish up, praying in power for the land. And I'll just review for a minute. Last week, uh, we talked about this. And, you know, we've had a lot of opportunity. Even since last Wednesday, we kind of had a big opportunity Friday to pray in power for our land here in Tuscaloosa County. Take our authority. Take dominion. Protect. Hallelujah. And we're called to do that, to protect the land. And uh, so that was, a, that was kind of a big event Friday, and a lot of people, they're still talking about it everywhere you go. And uh, praise God. Um, thank you, Jesus, that we're growing in our faith in His Word. And we have to, you know, faith cometh by hearing and not by having heard. So we continually have to hear the Word concerning these things in order to keep our faith high in these situations and circumstances. And uh, so, because um, boy, I tell you, you know, it talks about in Peter or somewhere not to let these things slip. And you can let things slip. And first thing you know, boy, I tell you, it's so easy. It is so easy to fall back into fear. Oh, my word, it's easy to fall back into fear, isn't it? Because are you not surrounded by fear at your workplace? Oh, my Lord. It is so thick out there in the workplace. You know? Yeah. You know, Miss Jean said somebody was, one girl was a crying at Pfeiffer. And, you know, Miss Jean got opportunity there to miss, minister to her. Hallelujah. So you get a lot of opportunities. So I don't know, maybe we shouldn't bind these things up. Maybe we should call them in and say, okay, God, we want some opportunities here. Because, boy, I tell you, the door opens wide for you to say, no, you don't have to fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, um, but we have to not only renew our faith in His Word and, and what His Word says to us and about us. And, you know, every promise in the Word has a condition. Actually, every promise has two conditions. One of them is unspoken, but one of them is spoken. A lot of them say, if you will do this, I will do this. You know that. That's the spoken condition. But every promise in the Word has an unspoken condition, which is faith. These promises, I, I mean, they're not just automatic because you got born again are just automatic because you're here on earth. But they are released and, and appropriated by faith. And so that's the unspoken condition of every promise in the Word of God. So we have these opportunities with these storms. So we have to have uh, not only faith in the Word, but we have to have faith in who we are in Christ, faith in our own authority. We have to trust what we say that God's backing it. And you don't get that without building yourself in who I am in Christ. Hallelujah. Because even though you have, if you're born again, you've been in Christed, as Pastor Buzzy used to say. You've been in Christed. If you don't know it, you'll act just like the heathen. I know I used to. I was just like I told before, I was a wild woman of fear, especially a uh, fear of thunderstorms. That's where I started. I let a spirit of fear come in when we had a huge storm on the Saturday before Mother's Day in Seagraves, Texas. Boy, I can remember it like it was yesterday. And Pastor was a farmer. And uh, I let a spirit of fear get a hold of me. And I was, I was nuts. I mean, 
and, and didn't even know what to do about it. And we got filled with the Spirit then in January 1st, 1980. And uh, a few months after we got filled with the Spirit, I realized this is not right. And so I told the Lord, I said, Lord, I think I need deliverance. But I don't even know anybody that knows how that works. Uh, and, you know, so I said, Lord, if I need deliverance, and I'm pretty sure I do, well, send somebody to help. So this lady came to visit my grandmother, and I can't even remember her name. And uh, she had this book with her, Pigs in the Parlor. Y'all remember that old book from back in the, uh, the charismatic days? And she had it with her, and her and my grandmother were talking about it, and they had invited me over to visit with them and everything. And I said, well, I think I need deliverance. But she, and so she didn't do anything. She just told me how to do it. And I did my own casting out and renouncing. And I said, and, and you know what? God, I tell you, God delivered me that day. Hadn't been afraid of thunderstorms since. But you can still, you know, with sirens going off and James Spann and, uh, uh, and, uh, and, and, and I bet all your kinfolks called you too. I mean, you couldn't get a, you couldn't get a cell phone call hardly out. You know, Dr. Scott, my dentist, told me today, said, well, I thought when the electricity went off, I'd get on my iPhone and keep track. He said, you couldn't get nothing to budge on the iPhones because the, they had the lines so crowded. You know, and so uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, but boy, I tell you, it was coming. Fear was trying to come from every direction. Hallelujah. The biggest blessing that happens when the electricity went off and you couldn't watch TV. And then you could just walk by faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I can just see some of you with one of them little crank TVs, cranking that TV to get the weather. Hallelujah. I didn't even have a battery in the house. I couldn't even listen to the radio. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. It was just as well. Okay, so uh, not to talk about that, but this is what we're talking about. It's kind of coincidence or not. A, it's a God incidence that we're talking about at this time. So remember, I'm just review a minute, but Genesis 2.15, where Adam was given authority in the garden to dress it, to keep it, to work it, to protect it, to hedge it about, to watch. One, ver one translation of that word then where it says to tend is to watch. And I like what Brother Copeland says that God had assigned Adam. Now we know the garden wasn't covering the whole earth because the Bible tells us what the perimeters were. The Euphrates River and the Tigris, and I can't remember the Red Pishon, and I don't remember the other one. Maybe you do. Anyway, there's, those were the parameters of the garden. And so Brother Copeland says that God had assigned Adam to expand that garden to cover the whole earth. I believe that. I bear witness in my heart, in my spirit, that that's true that he wanted him to, to but the, the, in the devil, having already been in the earth, we know he had already fallen from heaven because Jesus said, I beheld him, and we can read in Isaiah how he had fell from heaven. He just took control of a snake's body and spoke through a snake. And then Adam, and Adam committed high treason, you know. You know, I was thinking the other day, Adam talked with God every day. Why did he not just say, when that, when that all happened, why did he just say, God, what do I do about this? I mean, he talked with God every day. He, God came walked in the garden with him every day. Why didn't he just say that? But, you know, God knew ahead of time. You know, God knows all things. And so he knew ahead of time before he even sent Adam to the earth that Adam was going to make that mistake. And uh, But see, God, why did God do it? Because the, that devil was in the earth. Like one person said, he started out as a snake in Genesis, and he ends up in Revelation as a dragon. And guess who's made him bigger? It ain't God making him bigger from a snake to a dragon. Human beings, we have made him bigger. But anyway, and so... Um, uh, what, where, where was I before I told you that? Hallelujah. Anyway, this uh, in the garden there, God wanted earth back is what I'm trying to say. The enemy had, had fallen to earth and just tore up everything. Tore up. The Bible says in Genesis 1, uh, the earth was formless and void. Those words formless and void are tovu bavohu in the Hebrew. 
I, that's the only Hebrew I speak right there. Tovu bavohu, except shalom, hallelujah, <laughs> which means peace and prosperity, hallelujah. Uh, so, uh, and that means chaotic. And so the devil had done a number somehow on earth, and it was in chaos. And God wanted this rogue planet back. All the universe belongs to God. And it's still expanding. The scientists have proven that when, when God said light be, and Genesis records that he said that, that it's still expanding. It's not quit yet since all those thousands of years ago when God said light be, the universe is still expanding and getting bigger. And it all belongs to God. And the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. But there was something that had taken charge of this planet and God wanted it back. So he sent Adam to have dominion. He knew he'd fall. But it says that, um, that he saw Jesus Christ and him crucified before the foundation of the earth. He knew he would have to send his son. Hallelujah. He had, it was all a big plan. It was all a big plan. Hallelujah. And so Easter is our kind of our crowning glory in the church. Easter is greater than Christmas. I mean, we can't, we can't do without either one. You can't do without the birth of Jesus, but we could have had the birth of Jesus. And if we'd never had the cross and the resurrection, hallelujah, it still wouldn't have got the job done, would it? Have? Hallelujah. So this is our crowning glory. Amen. Amen. Okay, so we've been now in Genesis 28, 18. Uh, talks about how we've been given authority. Now God, the authority was given to Adam. He lost it. But Jesus came, got the authority back. And then gave it to us. Genesis 28, 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Now this is after the resurrection. Matthew 28, 18. I'm sorry. Matthew 28, 18. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. It goes on and tells us other things to do. But He gave us the authority... To, to, in Him, in Him we have authority. Not as human beings, but as Christ men. We've been in Christed. We've been born again. We are Christ men now. That's why they call us Christians, which means little Christ, little anointed ones. Because we're in Christed and now we have His authority in the earth. And He said for us to go and use it. And go and do it. And that's what we're really talking about this week and last week is using our authority to protect our land, our families, our nation, our state, and uh, the nations of the world so far as God gives us unction. Hallelujah. Because really the whole earth can come under our authority. Obviously, though, we're going to have more authority in some places Hallelujah. We're, gonna, we're citizens of the United States. We're going to have more authority here in the United States than anywhere. We are also citizens of Tuscaloosa County. We're going to have more authority here, you know, than other places. I personally believe that's why God wants us to own our home. Own our land. Hallelujah. If you are renting, you, have a, you don't have a total authority over that place because it belongs to another man. Hallelujah. I just make sense to me. I just, that just is how I see it. I don't know. I haven't proved that in the Bible as yet. I'm sure it's there though. Everything is in the Bible. It's just finding it. Hallelujah. One of the things we do is in our authority is protect the land, this land of Tuscaloosa County, this land of Alabama, protect it from reaping what sinners sow. When sinners sow, listen, you, sometimes people say, well, was God judging when, he, when Katrina came? God's not throwing down judgments from heaven. We are in a time of, uh, what do they call it? Grace. <laughs> That's an easy word, but it was not there. Anyway, we're in a dispensation of grace, but we aren't under, we are not out from under the dispensation of sowing and reaping. And sowing and reaping is in effect, will always be in effect. Jesus said, I mean, God said in Genesis, said as long as there is 
uh, as the earth remains, there will be what? Sowing and reaping, seed time and harvest. And so sowing and reaping is in effect. And sinners sow, and there's going to be a reaping, but that's what we're called to do is be those intercessors and stand in the gap and stop the reaping. And sometimes we can stop all of it. Sometimes we can stop some of it in the sense of thunderstorms and hurricanes and things like that. And sometimes we can just... Um, what does somebody say? Minimize the damages. I, I'm proud of Word of Life Church. I'm proud of y'all taking authority last Friday. Because I believe with all my heart, there would have probably been people killed, but there was none killed. And really, I mean, a daycare center that was empty and for lease, I think they just leased it, blew away on 69 South. Not blew away completely, but it's pretty tore up pretty bad. And, uh, and a Express, uh, not the express oil change, but a different oil change. It got tore up pretty bad. But I didn't see any houses that were really hugely tore up. There was one had tree laid across the top of it I saw on Old Greensboro Road. But um, I don't know. Maybe there was more than I know. But I know I think it was pretty minimal compared to what it could have been and even what it was in 2000. And they said on TV, of course, we don't believe what they say, but they said that this, her, this tornado compared to 2000. In December of 2000, uh, where where and so I think that we are we are believing who we are more, and we're taking a firmer stand. And you know what, Garland, we're starting earlier. I know Garland told me like two days ahead of time. I'm on this. And you know, the earlier you start, hey, if you're right in the middle of it, you're going to be able to preserve some things, but you're not going to be able to get near done what you get done. And that is one benefit of the National Weather Service is they can tell us, they tell us what's coming and what's trying to be. And we can say, no, that's not how it's going to be. I have more authority than you do. And we do. Hallelujah. And that's not how it's going to be. And we can start speaking to it. And, and uh, you know, the, I was going to bring this today, but I forgot. But the, the Sunday, no, the Saturday paper, the Tuscaloosa paper said, uh, uh, drop, uh, did it say drop or stop? Stop, skip, jump, or something like that. Uh, and so, you know, it, it, and we said that, you know, it's going to skip over us and hallelujah. And so it, it, it couldn't figure out what to do. And it was just hop, skipping, and jumping. You know, praise God. And Yeah, it just wiped out North Carolina. Hallelujah. Somebody needs to get saved over there, don't they? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Uh, Matthew 16, turn back, 19. Oh, we're not getting very far very fast. This is good to talk about this, though. Matthew 16, 19. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So we're working against people that are loosing stuff on earth. Man, they are loosing tornadoes, but we are working to bind it. Among other things, you know, we don't want to get so focused on tornadoes we miss the bigger picture, you know, but it just seems like that's where the focus has been lately. So uh, protecting the land, that's, and we build a hedge. We build a hedge. You know, I would encourage you, if you've never done this, and I would encourage you to renew your faith in this often, where you draw a bloodline around your property. And be, obey the Holy Ghost. If He says get a bottle of oil and go walk around the edges and pour oil on it, then do it. Amen. Hallelujah. And don't forget the church when you're the church building and facilities and, and, and the you know, we want to be bigger and hey, we can we can stretch ourselves a little bigger than me, mine, and ours. You know, and and stretch it around the church people and your neighbors and, and you know, your God don't want your neighbors uh tore up and killed especially and going to hell. The, he gets the Bible says he gets no pleasure out of the death of the wicked. One of the reasons he don't get any pleasure out of it is, first of all, he hates death. It's an enemy. But secondly, he don't want them dead. He wants them saved. And if they're dead, they can't get saved. It's too late. So um, we build that hedge. Even if they act like the devil, 
Hallelujah. You know, the more we get in the presence of God, the more we'll be able to love sinners. You know, I know I need to get in the presence of God more because I, there's some sinners that I find it difficult to love. And I, I'm sure you're with me on that. Especially difficult to love sinners when they're doing something to you. Hallelujah. Don't give me that righteous, holy stare. <laughs> Hallelujah. So we speak the word and we give God a right or a reason to bless. God has to have, since the earth lease belongs to, to the devil, temporarily the devil has the earth leased. And since it does, God has to have a right to move in the earth. A lot of people say God can do anything He wants to. No, He can't. He, he has to have man. He said we have to be co-laborers with Him. He has to have... The, you see the bumper sticker, God's in control. No, He's not. He wouldn't have made this... It wouldn't be tovu ba bohu if God was in control. It wouldn't be the chaos in Washington and the chaos in... And there wouldn't be a Vegas and a, and a, a Mardi Gras and a... There wouldn't be none of that. And there wouldn't be any Islamic religion or Buddhism. There wouldn't be none of that if God was in control. That's man's doing with the help of the devil. Actually, I think we help the devil. I mean, really, he has no authority or power to do anything if he can't use a human. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So we're called to be watchmen. We talked about that last week. We are the church, the ecclesia, and we are the highest ruling body on earth. If the church would just do their job, the earth would be heaven. It would be a replica of heaven in spite of the devil, in spite of the sinners. There's enough Christians to do it. If the Christians would, have, would just listen to Jesus... Instead of to other things that are not anything to do with God, we would have a Christian nation. And, and every senator and congressman would be Christian. You know that? Hallelujah. And, if, and, and uh, one, uh, we had our, um, our ICFM meeting yesterday, and we had 17. It was good. We had a different 17 than we had the first 17. I think we had 17 the first time, but it was different pastors. And uh, it was really, really blessed. And we got a real big blessing because we, we pastor kind of is overseeing it. He's not trying to lord it over and be anybody's pastor or anything, but just kind of host. We're hosting this. And so he uh, gets from God who's supposed to speak. And so he asked three people to speak at the first meeting and three to speak at the last meeting, this meeting. And so one of the people he asked to speak at this meeting called and canceled on Tuesday, said they couldn't be on Monday, said they couldn't be there on Tuesday. But another friend of ours, the, the Silicaga pastors called and said, we have a pastor here from Wales and he's going to come with us to the meeting. And just telling us he was coming. And Michael said, well, I'm going to get uh, him to speak. And so we heard from this. And we're going to have him into the church. He was powerful. I mean, he was powerful. But he got to speak at our minister's meeting. Oh, hallelujah. It was a real blessing. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. I was going to tell you something about that. And it'll come back to me in a minute. So we're the highest ruling body on earth. Turn to 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. And first thing I want to tell you before we turn there is watchmen are ready to respond. If we're going to be watchmen, we have to be ready to respond. You hear about first responders? Hallelujah. And you know, the policemen, I think they're mostly ready to respond. Don't you? I hope they are. I, you know, we've been having a, some things in the news here lately, how the air traffic controllers are not ready to respond. They're watching movies. They're taking naps. And it's been exposed. Pre, uh, Michelle Obama had a close call yesterday. Two planes getting too close together. I thought, I bet we get something done now, don't you? I bet that made her mad. And she kind of appears to me like she'd be a little feisty. And so I thought, hmm, President Reagan one time fired all the air traffic controllers. Reagan caused it. Well, 
Yeah, Reagan made you sleep. Reagan made you watch a movie. Hallelujah. Well, you know. Let me tell you something. People that blame other people for everything, that's demonic. That's demonic. And so if you want to know where people are coming from, if they've always blaming somebody else, for that is just a de- that's just demonic. Okay. So watchmen are ready to respond. And we ought to be like that, first responders. In 1 Thessalonians 5 and verse 6, I'll get there in a minute. It's warm in here to me. Y'all may not be, but y'all need to get a coat. <laughs> Put your coat on, because <laughs> we're going to get cool. 1 Thessalonians 5, 6. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. If we're going to be watchmen, we can't sleep. We got to watch. And watch there's not meaning like, well, now I'm sitting in the mall and I'm watching the people. I'm people watching. Now that is interesting, but that's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about watching in the spirit. And you have to sit down and get in the presence of God and you have to watch. Sometimes what I do, and I, I don't know, you don't have to do it like I do, that's for sure. I hope you do it better than I do. But sometimes I will just kind of, as I'm praying, I'll just kind of let myself see, and I'll just kind of in my spirit just kind of look all over. I'll see Alabama in my heart, and I'll just kind of look at it, look it over, and see if I see anything. Or sometimes I'll do that, you know, if with my family. You know, like, do I see anything? Hallelujah. And, of course, we're believing God to show us things. But if we're talking all the time and we're going 90 miles an hour, you're not ever going to hear or see nothing. You've got to be quiet to hear. Did you ever talk to your kids and they weren't hearing? And yet they, you were speaking in a loud enough voice that they should have been hearing, but they were literally not hearing you. And sometimes that's how we are with God is like, He's talking, but we're not hearing it's so important that we hear. And so he said, don't sleep like others do. Watch. Be sober. And then uh, I want to talk a little bit about our vantage point. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. That insinuates a position of authority. We are not down here begging God to do something. I can tell you, get in the closet if you're begging God to stop a tornado. Oh, God, stop that tornado. He's not going to. He's not. Oh, God, do this. Oh, God, did you know, just all sorts of stuff we're begging Him to do. But that's not our vantage point. We are seated with Christ in heavenly places. We are in a position of authority. And also, when you are up, seated, looking down, it's also the vantage point of how you're looking at things. We have a perspective. When we're down here looking up, we don't have the right perspective. First of all, you're going to miss a bunch of stuff. If, you know, you've got to be down here, up here, looking down. Looking down on the situation. When you're seated with Christ in heavenly places, you see the big picture. You know, if you're down here, you just see what's going on right here in your little life. And you will make mountains out of molehills. And you'll complain about stuff that don't matter, doesn't matter, mount to a hill of beans. And you'll be like, oh my, this is such a big major deal. I'm pastor, you know, a lot of times we'll be somewhere and he'll just, and he'll see somebody that's got a real situation and he'll say, Debbie, we don't have any problems. You know, he'll say, we don't have any problems. And uh, I was in Merle Norman the other day and there was this little girl in a wheelchair, young woman, and her husband was in there. He was in a wheelchair. He said, I'm going to go to the restroom. He went over to the restroom door. He got down, no legs, little stubs for arms. He did walked on his stubs into the restroom, shut the door. Ah, and uh, and then uh, got back in the chair. They went out and got in a pickup, and both of them. And uh, I told that little girl working in Merle Norman, I said, we don't have any problems. She didn't understand. She didn't know what I meant. You know, she was like, what? <laughs> and, I'm like, and then I kind of explained to her. I said, you know, com- everything wrong in my life compared to them. I don't have any problems. Hallelujah. So we get a vantage point when we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. We see the big picture. And you know what? When you look down on problems, they look little. 
When you're staring, you know that goes, have you ever gone up high in an airplane? Doesn't everything look so little? Hallelujah. And God looking down on earth and he's saying, that's no big deal. You know, and plus, when you are looking on down, on, you know, if you're right here, you can't see who's coming in the door. But if we were up above this building, we'd know when the, we'd know the answer was coming. Hallelujah. The answer's just right outside that door. And we're in here just wailing and crying. But, but if we were seated with Christ in heaven, that's how we are in the Spirit. If we will get in that position of being seated with Christ in heavenly places, we won't be upset about the bill that's not paid today because we'll say, oh, well, that's no problem. The answer's coming. The answer's just right outside my door. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God. So get in that place. Wep uh, our weapons, speaking of being first responders, our weapons are divine. They're greater than natural weapons. Family, we are not fighting with chemotherapy and uh, those natural weapons. We are not fighting with uh, credit cards and uh, U.S. American dollars. We are fighting with weapons that are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. We have divine, supernatural weapons to fight with. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Another thing about watchmen is watchmen intercede. Uh, let's go to Ezekiel 22.30. I think we looked at this scripture last week. Watchmen intercede. Are you watching? I'm watching. I want to watch better. You know, I, I really do. I want to watch better. I want to watch, you know, and I'm praying. God, help me uh, be more effective in prayer. You, you don't, I told the, I got pastor called on me. I was, it was a blessing because he's never even spoke to this group of pastors, but he asked me to talk 15 minutes on prayer yesterday. And I told them, you know, um, Christians aren't born knowing how to pray. Prayer is something you have to learn. And I was telling them, you need to teach your people to pray. Hallelujah. But you know, you can't teach goats. I'm not saying you are, but if you don't... <laughs> I'm not trying to say we have any goats. We probably do. You know, if you're resisting, then that's what that is, is being goaty. Uh, you, Perry Stone's little program, anybody see that? Where he said, Go, uh, sheep say, uh, I don't even know how he did it, but anyway, he made the bat into a, yeah, 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 when the, when the shepherd says do something, and goats go, but, <laughs> they start butting, but, but, they butt everything. So, uh, you know, uh, the good shepherd Jesus wants to teach us to pray in a more effective way. And we hadn't even touched the surface of prayer. I know because I've listened to some people talk about prayer and I go, I'm not there. I wish I was there. I'm not there. But I found the best way to learn to pray is to be with people that pray. Hallelujah. So uh, that's what we do. Ezekiel 22, and I sought for a man. So we're talking about watchmen interceding. I sought for a man among them that would make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land, for the land. I like that. That I should not destroy it, but I found none. So this is an intercessor here. But intercession is not just some words you say or prayers you pray, but intercession is a position you stand in. You get between... You're the eyes and the ears to avert the disaster in the earth and you stand in the gap and you fill in the weak places. We place ourselves as intercessors between people and the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that, you know, one of the best examples of that is us and our children. If we know something's coming to steal, kill, and destroy in their lives, we will get in the gap. We'll try to stop it, won't we? And sometimes the unfortunate thing is sometimes we try to stop it in the natural instead of stopping it spiritually. And um, you can only stop these things spiritually. You can't stop them naturally. But we like to get in that gap. Well, we can get in the gap in other ways too. In uh, 1 John 5, I am surprised about that. I hope this is the right scripture because that doesn't sound right. But maybe it is. 
Yeah, I was going to talk about this. We can get in the gap for people, even in the body of Christ, who are not doing right. So that they don't reap what they're sowing. And so their family doesn't get destroyed because they're not doing right. Look at this in 1 John 5, uh, uh, 16. If any man see his brother sin a sin which is not unto death... He shall ask, and he shall give him life for them that sin not unto death. There is a sin unto death. I do not say that he shall pray for it. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is a sin not unto death. So this is pretty phenomenal, but what it's saying is that if you see your brother sinning, and it's not the sin unto death, which would be blaspheming the Holy Ghost, that you can pray and stand in the gap and God will give him life. Instead of reaping death, they'll still get to have life. And then what will get to happen? We know that it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. So we need to stand in the gap when we see our brother in Christ in sin. And say, God, they're not doing right. Oh, they're not doing right. But Lord, I'm asking you. That, that, that they would not reap death here. But even though they're sowing death, so we get in the middle of people's lives in prayer, not naturally speaking, not even telling them, unless the Lord told you to, I wouldn't. And I would doubt it if, he, if you told me he told you to, I'd probably doubt it. But anyway, hallelujah. So... Uh, Moving on, watchmen, another thing watchmen do is prophesy. Now don't, you know, a lot of people, well, I'm not a prophet. Well, that's right. You may not be called to prophesy to the body of Christ, but you are called to prophesy and decree and declare in the earth. Because prophesy can mean several things. It can mean preach. And I know you've heard, it's not all preaching is prophecy, but I know you've heard preaching before when it got over in a place that was even more supernatural. And you go, my Lord, something's happening here in this sermon. And uh, so it can be preaching. And it, can be, it also can be foretelling the future. And you may not be called to foretell the future, but you are called to declare the future and decree the future. And you may not be called to be the voice, but you're called to be at least an echo. So when the prophet says, this is what I want for Alabama, or this is what I want for word of... He doesn't say this is what I want, but if he says this is what God says about Alabama, then he's telling us, God, the desire of God's heart for Alabama. We have the prophecies that we found back there on the table. Where, and those are the desires of God's heart for Alabama. So we're called to be the echo of what the voice said. The voice was the prophet originating with the Holy Ghost. Actually, the first voice was God. The second voice was the prophet. The third voice is us. We're an echo. And we decree and declare what the prophet said. And we say, we agree with it. We say, yes, God. That's right, God. Do that, Lord. Oh, God, that sounds good. Yes, Lord, do that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I always like to say, and I want to be in on that. Hallelujah. I want to be there when you do that, Lord. Arrange it, Lord, so I'm there. Hallelujah. I, it calls me to be at the right place at the right time. Even when I don't want to go, get me up and make me go. See, when we went to camp meeting in 1982, July of 1982, we were staying at the top of the hill in Tulsa in the Holiday Inn. July in Tulsa's hot. It's every bit as hot as Alabama. Humid in Tulsa. And down the hill to the convention center. And in those days, there'd be 20,000 people there. And, and uh, they had a morning meeting and an afternoon meeting at 2 o'clock and a night meeting. And the night meeting would be somebody like Norval Hayes, and he'd preached on midnight. And we were walking it. Uh, and so it was down the hill, about five blocks, which was fine. But at midnight, after midnight, it was up the hill. And I'll never forget, there was this, we was walking behind this black girl. Boy, she was saying, that normal phase, he's not normal. 
He said, she said, he went, he sat in that reserve section. That's what he, she said, she said, and he, he drove up into that reserve parking and he got out and he got to come in the back door. He didn't have to walk up this hill another way. <laughs> Hallelujah. We got the biggest kick out of her, but we were thinking the same thing. Like, oh my Lord. So we'd done this all week, Monday, three services, Tuesday, three services, Wednesday, three services, Thursday morning, Thursday. And we would have to walk up the hill at lunch to go eat lunch at the Holiday Inn. And uh, so it was, man, I tell you, I'm, I'm surprised I don't weigh 110 pounds <laughs> just from that. Hallelujah. <laughs> and you know, in those days, now tell me if this isn't right, Kathleen, we didn't wear our breeches. We put on hose and a dress in July. Is that not correct? That is correct. And he wore a tie. Even though we were sitting in the nosebleed section. That is true. But um, so earlier in the year, in January of 82, a, a prophet had come to Seminole, Texas, where we were going to church. And uh, he had caught, they had called us out. And there was about, actually there was about, because you know how guest ministers come when there's a minister. So there were several guest ministers there. They called us out. They prayed over us. And one of them prophesied to us. And he said, the cloud as small as the man's hand is coming upon you. And we thought, what in the world does that mean? We were farmers. So he, after the service, we went to the man that said that. And we said, what does that mean? And he said, I don't know. See, the prophet will speak beyond his own understanding. So on Thursday afternoon, boy, we won't stay home. We're going to, oh, let's just take a nap this afternoon. And we will go to the night service tonight. But we, so we, we had taken our clothes off after we ate lunch and just kind of laying there cooling off, you know, and just resting. But, you know, just at the last minute, maybe like 10 till 2, we said, you know, we just got to go. We can't, we can't not go. We've got to go. And so got up, threw our clothes on, ran down the hill, got in that meeting, sitting over up there. And uh, so John Osteen's preaching that day. Yeah, that was the year that we called it the Faith Hall of Fame year. He didn't do this every year, but that year, every faith minister, all the big ones were in that cat meeting preaching. We saw them all. And Fred Price laid hands on us. And so um, we were sitting there, and he's preaching. I don't know what he's preaching on. But he just stopped. Now, he's in this big, huge Tulsa Convention Center, and he stopped. And he said, by the way, the cloud is the small as the man's hand is the five-fold ministry. And we went, oh, my word. Oh, my word. It sure was. We might have missed something. Hallelujah. We'd still be wondering. We might be in the ministry. We'd probably still be wondering what the cloud as small as the man's hand was. It was, though, because we went, we left that meeting, flew home, went to Seminole. We lived in Seagrace, put $2,500 down on a house, escrow money, applied for a loan. They said, well, contingent, you can have it contingent on the sale of your house. Put our house on the market. We were moving to Seminole. Because we were the fivefold ministry was coming upon us. Hallelujah, Hallelujah. Okay, so uh, Watchman, Hallelujah. We got to be where we're supposed to be. Hallelujah. Say this with me. My steps are ordered by the Lord. I'm at the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. It's important. You know, uh, can I tell that about Houston last week and what Terry did? Or is that private? You know, uh, boy, when Scott died, they want him to come preach his, his funeral. And uh, man, I tell you, everything was opposing it. Airline tickets, it was just crazy trying to get airline tickets in and airline tickets out and everything. But we prayed and we said, now, Lord, if we're supposed to be there for Terry or for any other reason, Lord, cause this to happen. 
And so, and you know, the truth was, anybody could have buried Scott. Terry was already saying, I want this short and sweet. We're not opening the casket. We're having, we're going to put him in the ground at 9 o'clock. At 11 o'clock, we're going to have the service. There won't be hardly anybody there. We're going to do it at the funeral home. Uh, this is just a no-brainer. Keep it short and sweet. Keep it short and sweet. She told him over and over, keep it short and sweet. Hallelujah. So we're like, what are we even going for? You know? But she, so he said, are you supposed to be there? Yes. He went. So he preached the funeral. It was a blessing. Blessed all of them. Going to the airport, Terry wrote Michael out a check for $3,000 for a funeral. I mean, my Lord, I was at the right place at the right time. Hallelujah. Lazarus, hallelujah, resurrected in our finances. Hallelujah. We had a, we had a resurrection. Hallelujah. Terry was so casual in that funeral, too. Pastor said, you know, she didn't even, she just, she looked like she's going to Walmart. And what she wore and everything, everything was just cool. Hallelujah. She's real laid back, real laid back. Hallelujah. That was a blessing to us. And I'm not trying to make light of Scott going on to be with the Lord, but hallelujah you better do what god told you to do and you better be at the right place at the right time and sometimes it's not convenient hallelujah hallelujah <clears throat> and it really helped michael and debbie billings because that very day that pastor put scott in the ground uncle sam was saying <laughs> put put three thousand dollars put it right here that's what he was saying. Hallelujah. So we did. We said, praise God. Hallelujah. Sold $3,000 into the U.S. of A. Glad to do it. You know, Brother Copeland said, sow it and you'll get it back, a harvest. Instead of griping about it, sow it. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. My God supplies all of my need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Jesus. I, I just don't, I don't even want to do any more. I just want to, I might just talk. Hallelujah. You know, it was just a, it was just wild too. While Pastor was gone, it was wild here. He had a wild time. He spent the night with my cousin in Houston that lives in the same neighborhood, just so happens, as Terry and Scott did, in the woodlands. And uh, just about two miles apart. And uh, he said, uh, they told him, now they're Episcopalian. She was Catholic. She married Episcopalian. My cousin's Episcopalian. They, the Episcopal church was acting strange there in the woodlands, so they went to the Methodist. And when they're at the lake, they go to the Lutheran. Ooh, they are all confused. <laughs> Hallelujah. They're just going every which way. But um, so they told, uh, but, I, but now Jimmy, my cousin, is saved because my grandmother went to great lengths to make sure all her grandkids were saved. And so all the grandkids got saved. And uh, I got saved at their house. My grandparents, they were, they, my grandmother thought that the only scripture in the Bible was he that winneth souls is wise. And she did it. She made sure. So we have saved relatives because of that. And so um, they said, well, now don't let chance, that's their son, bother you. He walks in his sleep and we've caught him in the refrigerator at night. So pastor said he got up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom. And the light was on in Chance's room. He's 13 years old, and country music was just a blaring. And said he got up later, and the light was off, but the country music was still going. And so he asked Jim, my cousin, about it the next morning, and he said, uh, oh, he does that in his sleep. He just wakes up in the middle of the night and doesn't even know he does it. Goes over and turns the light on, turns the music on. And I'm like, hmm, somebody needs to exercise that place. <laughs> Hallelujah. So pastor spent the night there. I mean, it was just one of those wild weekends. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Mm, mm, mm. We've been, you don't know what you've been delivered for them. That's right. Hallelujah. Glory. Glory, Glory to God.
Hallelujah. And if your kid's walking in his sleep, go run that devil out of your house. Not the kid, the devil. Hallelujah. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. <sighs> Thank you, Jesus. Help us, Lord. Mm, mm, mm. Does anybody need prayer tonight? Okay, come on up. Anybody else want prayer tonight? Hallelujah. I believe the power of God. They didn't know it was happening then. It's looking back when you were in Catherine Kuhlman's meetings or when you were in Jim Stillman's meetings. You go, my Lord, I was there. But when, he, when it was happening, you were considered radical and people were staying home in crowds. And they were making fun of Oral on the TV. We're on something right now. I don't know all that's going on right now. But it's, if you have to wait and look back and say, wow, that was something else, you're going to say, I wish I'd have paid attention. We ought to pay attention right now by faith. We ought, to, we ought to lay hold of it like this is what we've been waiting for. I'm reminded of the father that was looking for the prodigal. And I want to be like him. I want to be looking, not for the prodigal, but, but in that sense, looking for the end of days to be just what the word said. And I'm looking for miracles, y'all. I don't want to be one that when they're in wholesale lots all around me, I say, oh, okay, I want me too. Me, me, Jimmy, me wants want, get, you know, gimme, gimme, whatever. I want one too. I want to be one of them that, that sets the path on fire for other people to look and say, look at Michael Billings. God did it for him. Well, he'll do it for me. And you know, we, we're, you may not realize it because we all seem so ordinary, but that's exactly what God's called you to do. And it just looks like, God, aren't you going to use a John G. Lake or a Smith Wigglesworth to do this? And he's going to use Joey Gann. Now, wouldn't, now, wouldn't that turn the world upside down? They were so ordinary in the book of Acts, and we are so ordinary, Leanne. We are just so, you know, we all are just so uh, the word says about Jesus, he was, he, uh, his comeliness, he had no comeliness that they should desire him. He just was an ordinary looking guy. It was not him. It was the power of God and the, what he did inside. So we're giving tonight. And you know, I could be grateful and I am and we're all blessed, but I'm telling you right now, and I'm just saying this, not as a matter of offering, because I got 29 years of being right about this. But be sensitive to how you give right now because seeds are real important in this day. And you need to be having your seed. It's not a time necessarily to hold on. There was and could be. But right now is a time to, to, to two things that God told about uh, uh, Cornelius. He said, you qualify because your prayers and your alms have come up to me. And I want to be praying and giving because giving is loving. And so I want to be giving and praying in these days. Doggone, I'm 58 years old. If I say I missed it the first 50, at least I can get this last few months right. <laughs> you know, if, I've, if I had made a wreck of my life, I could say, Lord, could we fix it right here at the end? And he'd say, just fix the whole life right here at the end. Of course, now I know y'all have had a glorious life and you can just add to it. Hallelujah. But amen. I just don't want us to miss it. You know, I just don't want to miss it.